0: acorns automatically invests your spare change and lets you invest as little as five dollars anytime or on a recurring basis into a portfolio of etfs your investments are then diversified across more than seven thousand stocks and bonds and automatically rebalanced when the market fluctuates save for the future invest with acorns once the show is on demand click the acorn link within the description of this broadcast and start saving Warning, Weird West Radio, contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. <laughs> Lies, nah, mostly.
1: Guess it do not really matter, though. I've done enough. You're really the kid. <laughs> my father's beating my mother to death. Bill, you'll kill no. my brother!
0: No. Ah. No. Lay with me a while.
1: You'll take us with you?
0: All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to Weird West Radio. Giddy up. I am Michael Flores, your host, and in the studio with me is Clint Felton. Hello, Clint. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, so you and I, as usual, we watched a movie and now we're going to discuss it. And today's discussion will be centered around the 2019 Western film directed by Vincent D'Onofrio titled The Kid. This movie comes in at an hour and forty minutes, and it was produced with a meager budget of eight million dollars. That is estimated. Uh, the synopsis: the story of a young boy who witnesses Billy the Kid's encounter with Sheriff Pat Garrett. The Kid is a 2019 American semi-biographical western action film directed by Vincent D'Onofrio, from a screenplay by Andrew Lanham, and is executive produced by Carl Stubner. Through sure Tone pictures, the film stars one of my favorites, Ethan Hawke, Dane DeHaan, Jake Schur, Layla George, Chris Pratt, Adam Baldwin, and D'Onofrio, and centers around real Cutler, who forms an unlikely alliance with local sheriff Pat Garrett and infamous outlaw Billy the Kid. Okay, so this movie was released in the United States March 8th, 2019 by Lionsgate Films. I- must admit, I wish I had watched this in the theater as I had promised myself I would. I mean, there were some truly stunning cinemographic moments. Director of photography, Matthew Lloyd, I felt did just an astonishing job capturing the scope of the West, the mm-hmm. magnitude, the massive, the big the bigness? Can I use that as a word? Will you allow it? I, I will. Okay. The bigness <laughs> of the West. There was a gritty surrealism to the framing, uh, the beautiful early morning, evening, establishing shots, lots of natural light, or at least it was designed to look as if it were natural light, and D'Onofrio knew exactly the type of tale he wanted to construct, and he picked the right DOP For the job. The movie did not unfortunately make a big splash. Not just at the box office. But even more disconcerting. Within western circles. Yeah I read some of the reviews. And I'm a bit surprised by that. I enjoyed it. Um, I mean setting aside Ethan Hawke for just a moment. Because you know I love pretty much everything this guy does he's been one of my favorite actors since training day and his performance in the john carpenter remake assault on precinct 13th for me still remains one of the most underrated performances of his career and uh i think he might be this decade's western icon for me i mean he's Ooh. done some great work in the genre Within the jet within just the last five years in a valley of violence, the magnificent seven, which wasn't the greatest of Western films, but his performance was definitely a standout moment or standout aspect of that movie. You and I both agreed with that general consensus when you and I reviewed that film. Mm -hmm. But before we go too far into this. I'd like to hear your brief thoughts on the film and why and tell me why you think this movie might not have worked within western circles, and then I'm going to piggyback on that and tell you why I think maybe it didn't work
2: well the uh, uh it's not perfect uh it it's not, but it's really a decent western, yeah, and this will be going in my collection because i I thought, Dane, how do you say his last name Dehan yeah. A fantastic Billy the Kid. He's, yeah, really good. He's actually up there with Emilio Estevez, in my opinion. And I, a lot of people scoff at the Emilio Estevez version just because he was a little almost psycho sometimes.
0: And a little but, bit of a caricature. But at I, times. I dug it.
2: You know yeah, what I mean? I did too. And so I, I like Dane's version of him. Um, Ethan Hawke was great. I was surprised really at Chris Pratt's. Uh, Grant Cutler, yep. just just because you watch Chris Pratt on television shows, interviews, and most of his roles. He's a nice dude. He's a dude you could hang out with, buy a beer, go fishing, whatever. Mm-hmm. This one, way, way, way different than anything we've seen him in. And I love that. And, of course, we've got Ethan Hawke, so it was great. Uh, the one thing that I think that didn't work as far as why it didn't take off is it was, I think it was in limited release because I could not find this up where I live. Yeah. Because I think you and I were discussing it in March and I said, yeah, I'll go see it. Well, I could not find it.
0: Well, the first trailer debuted February 21st, 2019. Okay. And then the movie came out March 8th, which was two weeks later. Right, there right. was no. There was. Do you remember when we saw the trailer? I believe Chris Pratt had posted on his Instagram page, and we're like, "Wait a second. because we were messaging back and forth. Yeah, what's going like, on? We, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, because we had never even heard of this movie. So yes, I feel like the box office, the lackluster box office, has a lot, has everything to do with the poor marketing. There was just there was none. There was well, no marketing.
2: Well, and the thing is, is I could have drove down to the cities and seen mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But we've discussed that. And we won't do it. You don't want to get (laughs) killed. The thing is, is that when they said limited release, I thought it was just for a small time frame. You know, sometimes they start out. Right. uh, You know, we're going to do a limited release and then like. Whatever. And into March, it's going to be in every theater. I did not see it in, in the theaters that I that are close to me. So I think that had a lot to do with. Hurting the box office for it. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's really unfortunate because it's really a good flick.
0: Yeah. But then we have the other side of it. Okay, so we have box office, poor box office performance. But then also usually within the Western circles when something comes out, it makes a big splash within this niche fandom. And you and I are usually privy to that because we are very tapped in to the Western circles within social media. We're very much a part of it. And I've seen close to no one actually discussing this movie and the people who have discussed it aren't really turned on by it. And sure. And I, and I think a lot of that has to do with a few things. Number one, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid are prized possessions of many Western buffs. Meaning, if you tackle that area of the West, those two characters, you're going to be under heavy yeah. scrutiny. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. It's, it's just those those two iconic characters are beloved by so many people within the Western fandoms that... They're very meticulous when they review things. They're very, um, I want to say, maybe extra.
2: It's almost like when people, they remade True Grit. You know, you have John Wayne fans. And yeah, right. when, I, when yeah. I say fans, I'm saying fans because <laughs> they did not like that movie without even seeing it. And to me, that's that's the same thing as this—the Billy the Kid, the Pat Garrett, the historical part. It, you, you couldn't. It's very tough for people to even get over the Doc Holiday. We we could have a. I think Ethan Hawke could play a great Doc Holiday, right? But because Val Kilmer did such a great job, he's pretty much ruined it for anybody else.
0: Right. It's the expectations that accompany those types of portrayals. And yes. that's that's what I was trying to say. Expectations. There's just so many of them when you're dealing with those characters. And sometimes it's a no win situation. And I, I feel like a lot of people just want to be extra critical about those types of movies that go into those areas. Billy the Kid and and Pat Garrett are just two of the favorites amongst a lot of the Western you know, nut jobs out there, us included. <laughs> However, I'm a little more open minded about um, playing with history and taking liberties. I know there's people saying, oh, that's not accurate. Dave Rudabar did not die like that. He was de- decapitated in Mexico. Why would they do this? It's not even close to being the same. And I'm willing to take a step back. I'm like, hey, listen, the movie isn't. On A&E's, you know, historical month, this isn't really? on the history channel this is a fictitious look into two characters who are well known and for the most part uh Nofrio, I think handled the characters fair uh, and um he was very careful and it kind of goes back to when you adapt when you tackle characters like this if you're not trying to punt it off as a a biopic of sorts okay or a true biography you can take liberties i look at it like when people adapt a book or a comic book, as long as you are able to capture the heart of the source material. And in this case, the source material being Pat Garrett and Billy, the kid, as long as you can capture the essence, the heart, the soul of those characters and their story, I consider it a win. And I feel like that's what the was able to do with this. He did capture the heart of, of Billy the Kid, the heart of Pat Garrett, and their friendship. Yes, their friendship and their stories was not the focus. The focus was the kid and the influence the two would have. This was a bit of a moral story, a moral tale, and in that regard, it worked. And the story, for me, was an interesting take on Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio and screenwriter Andrew Lay- Lanham, Took an interesting approach to the story that I felt like a lot of critics just kind of breezed past and their reviews did not give them the credit owed. Uh, it was a bit of a moral tale, as I just said, or a lesson that ultimately ended with a question. Even with the quote clo- within those closing minutes, it was there was a question posed. Will Rio be a good man? Will young Rio choose a path of law or lawlessness, which was the question that was just below the surface of the entire film. Mm -hmm. The idea that we are the decisions we make and our decisions, whether they be good or bad, matter. I fucking loved that moment when Ethan Hawke's character, Pat Garrett, was talking to Rio and he said our wrong decisions matter. And he told the story when he accidentally killed someone in self-defense. He turned himself in. He wanted to pay the price for taking a man's life. And the local authorities laughed and said, you did nothing wrong. But the point was, he felt like he had did because taking a man's life is a serious thing. It was just there was cowboy logic there. A man's wrongs do matter, but they do not need to define you. It's what you do next that will. That's that's the cowboy logic that I felt really was intertwined with this entire story, and it
2: definitely made it more real. Yeah, it made it made you know uh, even Billy the kids kind of he kind of gave this kid lessons, real lessons throughout. And it's kind of it. It really holds true even today, because Rio knew of Billy the Kid because he was what we would call today. F- he was kind of the f- he was fam- famous, famous, yeah, celebrity, and yeah, celebrity. And he would not. He glorified him, and he he had him at a high level. And mm-hmm. then, as we learn later, he was just you you know you getting used because Billy the Kid's an outlaw. Well. Right you 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 see i love the change that you see in Rio as he's he's idolizing him he wants to kind of follow him he's kind of help- he even helps him throughout the the movie and then at the end he's kind of realizing he's not who he thought he was right you know you put the you put him on this false pedestal and then you find out that uh, he's just not right
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. And I have some issues with that part just a bit, just how we got there. I don't I'm not one of those Billy the Kid fanboys that that you need to have this version of Billy kid. That's 100 percent likable because in in reality, the guy was a murderer. Was there a reason behind why he started in this way of life? Did it start off as something good and possibly innocent? Yes, but he kind of kept going at it. And that was a moment that was actually a moment in this movie that I really liked. It wasn't about Billy the Kid necessarily or Pat Garrett per se, but they did delve into that and they did make it a point to say, hey, what you were doing was possibly right in the beginning. But you didn't stop. You know, so I did like that. And that was a that moment is about Rio. The entire movie is about Rio. Even a line like that when he says, yeah, when Pat Garrett was talking to Rio. The side Billy was on during the Lincoln War. He could probably say he was on the good side at first, but then he didn't stop. And that's the lesson for Rio. Rio was on the good side of things. He was defending his mother. That's what pushed him to, to run away and be afraid of the law because he killed his father. There's a lesson there. What you did was right. It won't define you, as he said. And what you did does matter. But it's what you do afterwards. Everything was bound by that one philosophical line that I thought was utterly genius that kept this entire movie together.
2: They actually used Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett. And there was a gray area, but there was definitely. I don't even want to say good side, bad side, but there was there was definitely moral and unmoral, right? Immoral. Yeah. And. And I like that. It was still blurred, you could see it, and you heard it you know throughout the the film for Rio's sake, but then it started getting blurry again, right, and just like the the end when Pat Garrett really murders Billy the Kid or whatever you want to call it, if whoever you are, <laughs> yeah, but you know that's the blurry line, right, so that's the part that i I also enjoyed about the film is because it. It was good and good and bad, but then it 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 blurred. Still, there yeah, was well, there was that gray area. I I like that when they keep it where you're like, oh, he's on the right side, he's on the bad side, but then, are we sure?
0: Yeah. Well, that all goes into the the biggest reason why I consider this movie a, a win. Uh, there's, as I said, a, a tinge of cowboy logic mixed with philosophy embedded in the story that I felt really worked to keep this movie together and cohesive, especially due to the fact that this was a bit of a a tragedy type story, you know, uh, for example, innocence lost and the script was crafted to reflect as much. I believe we were actually dealing with a four act structure and not the standard feature film template. And I think that's another thing that a lot of these would be or want to be blog reviewers were kind of lost at. They go, like, well, the pacing was a little off. It didn't feel right. I'm like, well, you're probably used to watching a third act type film. This was a fourth act type of movie. This was written a lot like a play, yeah. uh, and the script, if you break it down, beat for beat, I am almost certain that there was four acts within this film. And it threw me off at first when I was watching due to the beats and the pacing. And then I realized exactly what Lanham was doing and what D'Onofrio wanted to accomplish it's a dramatic piece that feels a lot like theater Uh, and there's an intelligence behind the story that is not always present within a lot of modern westerns as we were saying how they used Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid as warnings and lessons and those lessons were bleak there was that gray area you had mentioned as well. Uh, the bad decisions was obviously Billy the kid, but there was also a sadness to following in the steps of the law. You will be tasked with things that do not make you happy. The regret, remorse, remorse for things that you cannot control, like the Lincoln County war and the politics that pushed many into being an outlaw. I mean, there is a lot of realness to this. And yes, I said at the beginning that there's a, a surrealistic tone and there is when it comes to these type of iconic characters and and the massive larger than life worlds that we find ourselves in in the old west. There's always a bit of myth and and folklore thrown into these types of stories. So that's the surrealistic angle. But the story itself is is very grounded and very realistic. And there's a, a message there for any youth today. I'm not talking like a soapbox message. I'm talking about a coming of age of story of sorts. Making the right decisions and the wrong decisions. Looking up to the right people and turning away from the wrong people. I mean, it's a really good, really good story. Now, the Lincoln County War aspect, they use that as a backdrop for this movie. Uh, This is post-Lincoln County War when Pat and Billy were on opposite sides of the law. And that's what they used as... I guess you can call it a B story that ran in parallel to our A story which was about young Rio and everything mattered and I was wondering what they would do because again I didn't know anything about this movie when I saw the title The Kid I knew Billy the Kid was in it and I knew Ethan Hawke was playing playing Pat Garrett so I just assumed oh this is going to be a Billy the Kid story but it really isn't a Billy the Kid story the kid in the The title, the choice title is because of Rio. He's the kid. And on each side of the kid, you have Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. And their story will unfold in conjunction to Rio's. And they use it as a way to help him or nudge him into making the right decisions. So story was solid. Overall, again, I did have issues uh, with the overall execution of the script itself. As you had said at the top of the show, I agree with you 100%. It's a good movie. It belongs in your DVD vault, but it isn't perfect. And that's where the script issues come into play. As I said, the story was good. The script had problems. The problem in itself might just be simply due to the different act structure. I'm not quite sure. I'd have to sit down and really reanalyze that script, possibly even whip out the script and read it. Um, The movie had ended its second act. After the escape of Billy the Kid and the potential that Rio would turn to lawlessness, right? That's Mm. how I felt. The third act felt like it had ended with Billy's death, which left the rest of the film a bit disconnected. I feel like having those two opposing figures or ideas, Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett, along with Rio, is what kept the movie together. And the moment we lost Billy, I felt like we lost the movie.
2: It actually felt... It actually felt rushed. Yes, like they could have. I felt that they could have made that. Uh, I don't know if it, if you would add a little bit more to it. That it yeah, was absolutely yeah. It, you know maybe maybe make it not as bad or not bad. What well, disconnected? Um, yeah, I think if you would have if we spent a little more time with Rio and Pat Garrett, there could have been a possible a better feeling that it wasn't so quick and rushed. It just, uh, it almost seemed like boom, we're in the town and there, you know, we left Billy, the kid. And it was almost like we instantly ended up in the town. It would have been nice to have like a, uh, we're, we're traveling. We, we do with a campfire talk and it brings us to them
0: too. Yeah, Yeah, because we're we're dealing with an hour and 40 minutes. I feel like we could have we could have attacked on another 20 minutes and the movie would have felt fine.
2: Yes, you are right. It's we needed a connection between those two is, I guess, what I was trying to
0: say. Right. And I feel like if they would have maybe. Drug out the. The third act a bit more. And gave us a little more between Billy and Rio. I feel like it would have had a a lot bigger impact on the overall story. Because again, remembering that this is a moral tale. And that there's a question posed from the very beginning. Where will Rio fall? Will he fall on the line of law and order? Or will he fall on the line of lawlessness? That's the whole point of the story in many ways. But we don't really get to see him paired with Billy the Kid. After the opening, I'd say, 35, 40 minutes, we see the rescue. He makes that decision that makes a lot of us think, okay, well, he's not going to follow in the footsteps of the law. He's going to follow in the footsteps of Billy the Kid. The, The easier side of things, the more seductive. And I will say that I did like that part about Billy the Kid, which we'll get into when we talk about the casting choices. Um, But I liked how they used Billy, the kids charisma and charm to win over Rio. It's the easy way out kid. I will help you out. Look like live like me and you will rescue your sister and kill the bad guys and save the day. I like that aspect. I just feel like we should have lived in that moment a little longer. Once Billy, the kid had escaped due to Rio, there needed to be a little more consequences. Rio's decision to To get involved with Billy the Kid led to the death of two lawmen. Two lawmen. And yes, they had that moment where Rio is upset and he tells Billy, what did you do, Billy? And Billy's all, well, I did what I had to do. Let's go. I feel like it would have been neater when it comes to the script, a little more tidier, less disconnected, less disjointed if we would have had 10, 15 minutes of them together and the life they had, because we had to assume that they had been together for several months now. And uh, Billy, the kid had not lived up to his promise to help Rio rescue his sister. They're taking a lot of assumptions because of the pacing and a lot of the time trans. They're called time transitions. A lot of the time transitions that we took You know, days, weeks, and they did clue us in and let us know that time had gone by through newspaper headlines when Pat Garrett sits down and reads the newspaper and he realizes that Billy the Kid has been spotted here, here, and here. And they have that little discussion, but other than that, they're expecting the audience to take big leaps with time. You almost needed Rio and
2: Billy the Kid to have that moral butting of heads. Yeah. You know, and we didn't, we, we didn't really get that. No. You know, we had a far away shot of them kind of, you know, when Billy was kind of drunk right before he gets shot and, you know, it was, it was almost too far away to really care. <laughs> yeah. So I would have liked to seen them to kind of butt heads a little bit to where you, you might see real the the, the struggle between the good side and the bad side. Well, even
0: there's several moments, Clint. You're absolutely right. There's several moments they could have added more to the story, maybe beefed it up a bit. As I said, the opening, I want to say 45 minutes was, I mean, I was, I was glued to the, the screen, to my television. I was like, this is fucking great. This is intense especially that Santa Fe moment, that Santa Fe scene. They could even beef that up a bit with, uh, Denofio's character that played the local sheriff and how yeah, they that was wanted actually to really quick. I, it was very quick. It was really good and powerful, but I feel like they could have spent a little more time at Santa Fe as well. And that's how I feel about much of the script. They could have given us a, a little bit more time with everyone. Even Chris Pratt's character, uh, Cutler, he's in the beginning which is uh, just enough to get the story started during that, those opening 10 minutes, the inciting incident. And then he's at the end of the script. I want to say at the tail end of the fourth act. So he's basically an inciting incident character and the denouement character because the last part of the movie felt less like a fourth act and more like a denouement. And if people don't know what a denouement is, uh, in in a screenplays and writing, it's basically the final part of the script or play, uh, which usually is used to strand the take all the strands of the plot and draw them together. Kind of like, well, what did we learn today, kids? You know, that classic yep. ending moment.
1: And, that's you know. kind.
0: that's kind of what a denouement is in, in in layman's terms. And that's what the fourth act felt like. Which is not what a fourth act should feel like. It was, and I could say, well, maybe it wasn't a fourth act. Maybe it was just a denouement. I'm like, no, 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 no. You do not solve that many problems in a denouement. That was a fourth act. But it felt more like a denouement. And that's my biggest problem with the movie. It's just they, they took their time, I felt like, at the beginning. The opening 45 minutes. And then it's like all right, boom 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 boom, let's get it done. Cuz I kind of alter- wanted to hate him more. Uh oh yeah. You know, uh, Cutler? I, I, yeah,
2: I didn't I didn't like him, but I would have liked to hate him. And I think he could have pulled that off if given more time. I'm yeah. with you 100% on that one.
0: Yeah. You know what? Let's take a really quick break and then we'll get into the cast. We got to slow down here just a bit. We got to let our, our affiliates and sponsors do the talking for a moment. <laughs> we'll be right back. There's a man going around taking names, and he decides
1: who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same.
0: Y'all go nowhere. Weird West Radio will be right back. Acorns Acorns Core automatically invests your spare change and lets you invest as little as five dollars anytime or on a recurring basis into a portfolio of ETFs. Your investments are then diversified across more than 7,000 stocks and bonds and automatically rebalanced when the market fluctuates. Save for the future and invest with Acorns. Once the show is on demand, click the Acorn link within the description of this broadcast and start saving. Want more Weird West Radio? Get more Western discussions, plus some pulpy fun. Get more Weird West Radio every month with the Patreon Mike and Clint Do You Right tier. When you pledge just $4 or more a month, you will receive two to four additional broadcasts every single month. More movie discussions on the weird, strange, and traditional Westerns, including episodic breakdowns on The Adventures of Briscoe County, Jr., and the Wild Wild West. Also, for you Spaghetti Western fans, we've got a monthly specialty show dedicated specifically to the iconic film genre of the 60s and 70s. For more Western discussions, plus some pulpy fun, go to patreon.com slash rainmandigital and pledge.
2: What
1: are you looking
0: at, nerd? Huh? I thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. <laughs> But at the same time, then you wouldn't have this feeling that okay, so Lucifer's just what sitting on his hands and knees with
1: King Shark. You're getting. I was getting getting a a shark shark
0: tattoo, tattoo, and like I watched the episode after the way it ended. I mean, you end it with Ray climbing the mountain, holding out the lightsaber to Luke. Funny that some of my favorite westerns are coming from the Euro countries Mm -hmm. to this day. Directors and writers are able to bring the heat. In terms of amazing, yeah, no, I mean don't me wrong Mad Max was really good But they washed out a lot of it To kind of hide the special effects That they were doing Yeah And that's fine Catch up on your favorite Rain Man digital geek shows Every Saturday DC on CW Back to Tank Weird West Radio The Crossroads And Roar Geek Out Saturday On Rain Man channel 001 Listen for the Rain Man digital
2: app Or tune in
1: Just search RM channel 001 Y'all
0: listen to Weird West Radio on Rain Man Digital. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Weird West Radio on Rainman Digital. If you miss any part of this broadcast, you can always find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play and Spotify. Spotify, not Spotify. <laughs> and you just search Weird West Radio and please leave us reviews and also share our shows on social media. If you're on Twitter, share it. If you're on Facebook, give us a like and share it. It helps our show pick up more traction, helps kick into gear some of those algorithms that social media uses. And we appreciate it. All right. So before we went to break, Clint, we were talking about the actors and the pacing and kind of filling in, I don't want to say filling in the gaps because the story was there, but kind of beefing up the story just a bit. I guess this is where we're going to be douchey and just say, hey, I would have written it like this. Yeah. But. I feel it comes down to this for me. You have an amazing cast, in my opinion. You have Chris Pratt as Grant Cutler. You have Dane DeHaan, which I agree with you, was a fantastic Billy the Kid. I mean, he had it all down. He had the the swagger. He had the playful banter. He had the realness of when it was time to get real and kill somebody. He was threatening. He was intimidating. He had charisma. He was great.
2: Even his look, his
0: eyes were not always with you. Yeah. I mean, he did a great job. Ethan Hawke as Pat Garrett. I mean, fuck dude. This guy just gets better as he ages as an actor. In every movie I see him in, he just does that much better. He's so good. He there's such a uh, a style of acting that he has, especially in this movie with the uh, with his portrayal of Pat Garrett. He talks with his Facial expressions, he's the type of actor that doesn't need to say much. He can do a grunt, he can look a certain way, and it says a thousand words. And you have this talent, you have this great cast, even Dinofio, who only gave himself a whole five minutes of screen time. He should have used himself as well, because he's really fucking good as well. Why didn't we dig in a little deeper with some of these characters just a bit? I'm not talking 20 minutes or give us, you know, a a meandering character arc that doesn't really go anywhere, but just a bit. They would have gave us an additional three to four minutes, maybe even two. Maybe even two minutes with some of these characters to really build them up a bit. I felt like it would have worked a little bit better, even with uh, Chris Pratt's character, Grant Cutler. Why was he such a bad dude? Why did he not care that he, I understand that he says at the end that his brother's wife was a whore and she did what whores do. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I, I understand that, but we didn't really get that until the end. Why didn't they show us his closeness to the brother? Even if they had an opening scene where his brother and him were walking home late at night, drunk. You sure. know, they're patting each other on the back. And you can tell they had some relationship because the way I look at it is this guy's a piece of crap. He's a horrible person. Does a horrible person like this really even love his brother? Like right. really? Do you, is, does life matter to you when you're that horrible? And it would have been nice to see a, another, another side of the bad guy. Okay. Well, he treats his brother with love and respect. Look at him. They get, they got along. They pat each other on the back. They went drinking and then they go home and beat their wives at least then we'd understand a bit more. It would give his character a little more motivation. Um, And then of course, Billy, the kid, I think the biggest place they could have beefed it, beefed it up is as we said, the relationship between Rio and Billy all but fizzled during the third and fourth act. It was great during the opening first act parts of the second, and then it just completely fizzled away and they had forgotten to actually build that relationship up. And I feel like, If they had built that relationship up, okay, and they didn't just let him die, the death would have mattered more to Rio. The death didn't give us a chance to see Billy not live up to his promise to Rio. But then after he died, Rio accepted that Billy was not going to live up to his promise. And the aspect of Billy's influence kind of fizzled because he was already, he was upset at Billy for not living up to his end of the bargain. I feel like Billy should have lived up To his end of the bargain. And then it would have put that question. It would have stressed that question a bit more. Here's a man that did live up to his promise. Now what will Rio choose good or bad? Sure. But when he died, it kind of made the decision for him. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Pat Garrett. In fact, that's exactly what he did. Hey Pat, now I'm going to tell you what you've been begging to hear since the beginning of my story. Here, or now I need your help. You made the decision easy for me by killing Billy the Kid.
2: Or even if he if he if he didn't want to make the decision, you just wanted to have Billy the Kid leave in the morning without him. Right. You know, because like you said, they Billy the Kid got shot, there was no decision making on Rio's part. All yeah. we know is that he felt like Billy was kind of using him a little bit. Yeah. We didn't really have like Billy the Kid just runs off. It was it was actually the end of Billy the Kid, which didn't seem uh you know, and at least in our scenario, the good or bad, like you said, the decision was made, but it would have been nice to even have Billy the Kid run. And then you have him going, Well, what the hell?
0: Then you could see that Billy the Kid was a bad guy. Yeah. I agree because there's also that, that um, I want to say the absence of sincerity um, because Billy the Kid was very sincere or, or so it seemed at the very beginning of the movie. There was no reason for him to like the kid. I mean, they had established that they had a very similar upbringing, that he had also uh, had a run in, I guess we can assume, with his father at a young age that he was in a very similar or he was placed in a very similar situation as young Rio. And that was his connection. In fact, he even cared about what happened to them. He said, Hey, just stay in here. And then um, when Pat Garrett came, you'll stay in here and then just leave when we all are taken. So you don't get wrapped up in this whole entire thing. So there was sincerity there. There was uh, someone who cared about this kid, but then suddenly after he was rescued, he flips like his his sincerity is gone and you can tell he doesn't really care about the kid and he doesn't want to help him but now that would have worked his his fake sincerity would have worked when he needed rio to save him or help get him out of jail right but he didn't know that was going to happen he didn't know he was going to be put in that situation that's why i feel like there's a big gap a character gap in terms of in, ter- in terms of billy the kid's growth in this movie. It, it wasn't an arc. It was like a, an L or a backwards V. It just came straight down. And you're not really sure when it happened. When did Billy the Kid decide not to be nice to to Rio? And why? What was it? His selfishness? Uh, his his own need for continuing with his bloodshed? Uh, was it his wife and and the unborn child? What was it? We don't know and that's the only thing that really bothered me and this all happened at the end of the movie. We were stuck with a great opening half and then suddenly we're like okay, well logically what happened to Billy the kid? Are we just disp- are we just supposed to assume that oh, it's Billy the kid, he's a piece of shit, he's a murderer. <laughs> but that's not the Billy the kid we saw at the beginning of the movie. Do you get what I'm saying? Yep, yep. Yeah. It sounds like we've turned into bitching about it, but we're not. It's just there's those little problem areas that just slowly expand to bigger issues as we discuss and dissect. All right, so let's talk about the directing. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, I thought, did an excellent job. Uh, that whole romanticized West and the characters that fall into that category, uh, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, who in many ways have become part of American myth. And with myth, there is surrealism. There's no way you can run from it. Uh, the pairing of lens Choice, Frame, and Blocking, I felt, all lent itself to these larger-than-life characters. The guns were big. Yeah, I mean, big. When Ethan Hawk first went into... Um, uh, what room was it? Was it when he walked into... Um, I think when he first went into Billy the Kid's home, and he pulled out his double guns that barrel was huge and that's not a big gun compared to the gun that Cutler had. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but the barrels were massive and that's because of lens choices. Now I'm not sure of the exact lens size that uh, Matthew Lloyd used as the cinematographer, but I mean, I'm willing to bet he, he borrowed from the master Sergio Leone because he was also a master of making those guns look giant. So I love those moments. And of course, those are all things that you can credit You can credit to D'Onofrio as a director for making those decisions. He knows how to build intense moments like in the scene uh, located in Santa Fe. Uh, I hope Vincent D'Onofrio continues to direct. He has a very creative and intuitive eye. In my opinion, he looks for those nuanced performances, probably being an actor himself It gives him a a leg up on how to get those very personal and real moments. As I had mentioned, Ethan Hawke delivered various moments that were just fantastic. Um, And if people aren't familiar with Vincent D'Onofrio, this is a guy that's been around in the acting game for years, for years, and he's been kind of a household name, if you watched his things he was uh Filmer Pile. Yeah. He's been <laughs> in a lot of things uh a lot of things. I'm going to go through them briefly here. He started off in uh Full Metal Jacket as you mentioned. Uh he was in Ed Wood, The Cell, Men in Black, uh Death Wish, Emerald City, The Magnificent 7. I'm going for recent ones here as well. Uh, Law and Order for uh, like 10 years. That was his big claim to fame. Uh, Robert Gorin. And that was probably his most notable performance until about three years ago. He starred as Kingpin in Netflix's Daredevil. Yeah, he was good. Oh, my God. He's the reason why I kept watching the show. I mean, especially in the first season, he was fantastic. And that's really, I want to say, what he's known for now. He's known as Wilson Fisk. He became Renowned across the globe because of that performance. Daredevil on Netflix was a huge success for Netflix. And that performance uh, won him a lot of accolades. Um, So he's he's definitely knows how to act. He definitely knows how to perform. And I definitely can see how his experience as an actor did play a big part in his directing style and directing choices. Okay, so this is semi biographical. As we had mentioned. Now, according to a couple interviews, originally Vincent D'Onofrio was not quite sure how he was going to pair the story of this young boy. Or with who he was going to pair his story with. He had this idea of, of a story about Rio and his sister, And uh, he wanted to find the right group of people to pair this story with. And he wanted to go for something a little more um, semi-biographical. So he said he started to research the bad guys of those days and he realized fairly quickly that the most factual information pertains to those two guys, Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett. He says those two guys' stories are the most tracked and well-written about in a factual way rather than a mythological way or kind of a silly way. He says, I think it's because Garrett was a cop, he was a law enforcer, and I think that his movements throughout New Mexico and Utah were easily tracked because they were all recorded. His relationship with William uh, Bonnie was also well recorded. He says the other thing is that Bonnie was the only bandit back then that would revisit his home, even though he was a wanted man in it. Uh, the most factual information you could find was about those two. So that was, in his opinion, the perfect opportunity to put a fictional character into that because we could track their movements through New Mexico. So that's an interesting angle to take with your story.
2: Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool because he he actually planned that out, you know, for as far as the where you could kind of follow along if you picked up a, a history book or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I thought it worked well. Now, marketing, as we said, was atrocious on this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you could even call it marketing, the budget was $8 million. They probably didn't use a penny of that to market because the the only place I saw that trailer was on Instagram, which is free. Yeah. (laughs) So the trailer debuted February 21st, and then the movie was released about two weeks later, uh, March 8th. And it was in and out of theaters. It, very few people even spoke of it. Uh, the budget was eight million dollars. The opening weekend it made five hundred and fourteen thousand uh, dollars, and it ultimately made a gross of one point five million here in the U.S. Oof. What
2: what is considered an independent film? Is this one?
0: This is considered an indie film, yeah. And how do you how do you judge that? Oh, it just depends on who's producing it. Is it a major studio or a minor studio? That's pretty much it, yeah. Oh, okay. Now, not to make it sound like a complete failure, it was a limited release. Now, the general critical response, according to the review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at 45%, uh, which I feel like is not a good accurate measure at all. Um, uh, According to Metacritic, which uses a weighted average, uh, assigned the... this film a score of 51 out of 100 so that's a little more balanced but not (laughs) not Rotten Tomatoes as as usual they have a very skewed way of reviewing things and I feel like that's just completely unfair 45% if I was going by Rotten Tomatoes review structure I'd probably say maybe 68 maybe 70% is where I'd put this because like I said it does have some problems with the script And on that note Clint Let us go Into the saloon Time for us to give our Final thoughts Let's uh, walk over some dead bodies Let's uh, give a little Tappy tap to Layla George Or I should say Sarah Cutler her character Layla George <laughs> I, I, she Let's
2: have Chris Pratt tell us how Oh he didn't touch his niece, But right. she's right. very flexible
0: Yes. All right. Grant Cutler, where is your niece? Can I find her, please? Before I take my shot, can I go up and visit her? I just want to say hi. That's it. I promise. <laughs> That's it. Just say hi. All right. So we're going to go up to the bar. Clint, how many shots of whiskey do you give this movie? Even though that we
2: we we review it, we have to find the things that kind of disappointed us which we kind of talked about. But, you know, overall, I think a traditional Western fan's going to dig this, and I, it's definitely going to be in my, uh, my, my collection because it is good, despite the uh, few little flaws that we have. I, I'm actually going to give it four shots of whiskey.
0: All right. I have to agree with you on the fact that we have to review it. If this was just a a night out and I was eating some popcorn or if I was on a date having some wine I would would walk away happy with watching this movie. It's a good movie. I would suggest people check it out especially if you're a western buff. Good performances beautiful scenery uh, smart logic and philosophy attached to the overall narrative. But, because we review this, I'm going to have to give it three and a half shots of whiskey. Uh, There are some issues. Uh, Story is pretty solid, directing is solid, but uh, the actual overall formatting of the script and how it's written out could be worked on a bit better. So, yeah, three and a half shots of whiskey is what I give this movie. All right, Clint, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you, Clint, as well. I would... Like to return that favor and thank you, Michael. Well, you're welcome. And if anybody misses any part of this broadcast, you can always find us on Stitcher and iTunes. Just search Weird West Radio. Not just Stitcher and iTunes, though. Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Weird West Radio. Thank you, Clint. And good night. He be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead 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 now do you have anything to say young man
2: yes your honor i do you can go to hell hell hell